What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 121 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, I appreciate more than you will ever, ever know that you take time out of your daily routine to spend a few minutes with us on Lunch with a Leader. I hope every episode brings something new, brings something fresh, and adds something to your leadership tool bag as you are seeking to be that leader that you're driving to be and were created to be. But yet, like me, we're just trying to figure it out. So the more great people we meet and the better questions we have, the more we can find out about them. And also, I want to say a huge thank you to those of you that leave reviews and ratings on iTunes. It means so much, and it helps us climb the charts, and it does help others find their way to us. And I want to thank uh, M. McPhail24 when he said, I knew Mike was sharp and passionate about his work and loved the Lord. I never knew how he was a tremendous interviewer. He does his research, prepares strong, interesting questions, and presents them to interviewee to answer. He does not answer the question for his guest, as many do. Listen, and you will hear. That's a good question, Mike, over and over again. Really have enjoyed going back and listening to older episodes. Keep up the great work, Mike. Well, thank you, McPhail. You are awesome for listening in, and it means a ton. Well, today, you're going to get to meet a power couple, Jeff and Andre Schinnebarger. They co-host the podcast, Love or Work. They've come out with a new book called Love or Work and basically help you decide if you are a couple and you are both in full-time jobs out in the workplace, is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and have a healthy family? It is a fascinating journey. And I know many of you are on this journey, whether you are or you aren't, you are going to love Jeff and Andre. They are an amazing couple that God has brought together and is using in big ways. You're going to love hearing their story from Andre being born in Bolivia and now her passion in healthcare as a physician's assistant at Emory University an adjunct professor at Emory University and working at Grady Memorial here in Atlanta, and Jeff and his leadership and direction of Plywood People, an Atlanta-based nonprofit that helps and launch sustainable startups. They are fascinating, and you are going to love it. So I don't know where you're listening from today, but I want you to pull up a chair, and I want you to listen in to my conversation with Jeff and Andre Schinnebarger. Well, Jeff and Andre, it is an honor to have you on Lynch with a Leader today. Thank y'all so much for joining me. We're excited to be here. We are glad to be here. I love it. Well, your your life now is doing so much, and you have distinct careers, and then you've got to merge in your careers. Tell us a little bit about your family and what you guys do for a living. Okay. Well, I am a physician assistant. I work at Grady Memorial Hospital in one of the neighborhood clinics. And uh, yeah, so that's my career. We have been married together 18 years and we have two kids, 10 and 8. 18 sounds so old. I, we, it was like, <laughs> like old Mary. Call. All of a sudden, 18, it started feeling like, like big time. Um, and I'm Jeff. I'm the founder of an organization called Plywood People. Plywood is a nonprofit in Atlanta that leads a community of startups doing good. In the last, we've been around for now, now for 11 years. And uh, it's been awesome. We've been able to walk, walk with, over set is it 700 projects yeah. now Night. and i wish i could say they're all like exploding and flourishing <laughs> and all this stuff it's like it's a startup world Mo many of them have failed uh but i'll tell you this one of the cool things 
about it is that the first project people really dig into is definitely not the last one. So mm. we get to be in deep relationship with all these people that are giving their lives to making the world a little better in some way. And, and that brings me a lot of joy. And you guys have an interesting background because you grew up, I believe, Andre, in Bolivia. Is that yes. correct? Mm-hmm. And and Jeff, you grew up as a as a PK, a pastor's kid, which that's its own country of growing up in the ministry world, kid. Tell me about how these two worlds collided and came together. Cause I know y'all met in college and it yeah. wasn't quite it wasn't um, love at first sight. A PK was- <laughs> and an MK. A PK and an MK, yes. That's uh, right. You know, there's always two, we always say there's two stories. Two sides. There's two sides to every story of falling in love, but um, I was dating another person. This I met, way and then the right way. <laughs> I was dating another person. Andre, Andre sat next to me at a basketball game. She told me this girl was not quite right for me, which I thought, wow, maybe she's kind of interested in me. So I called her. I ended that relationship, called her the next day, and we just started hanging out. And we would stay up late into the night, like, two, three in the morning. It's very college, right? And uh, at the end of the night, I'd turn her and I'd say, Let's, this has been great. Like, can I take you out like on a real date on Friday night? And she'd look at me and just be like, no, no, I have no desire. I'm not interested in any, in any way. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, we were really good friends and I think I admired that, but he was definitely going in a direction in my mind that I was not going to be able to fall into. So he was very kind of corporate America set on that life in that world. And I literally was going to graduate, go to med school and move to Africa. So in my mind, I was like, we will never work. So there's no reason to date. There's no reason we can have these great conversations. Um, In fact, they were always like theological conversations and, you know, big, big, deep conversations. But I was like, this won't, this won't never work. So in the midst of it, uh, I I obviously fell, fell for her hard. And, uh, and I said one day, I think, I think that we're supposed to be together. And I challenged her and I was like, if you really think about this and pray about it and consider it. Yeah, he told me I was pr- not praying right. <laughs> I was that, like, that went over real well. I was like, in two weeks, you're going to come back to me. And she got angry. I mean, very angry at me. <laughs> Needless to say, three weeks later, she came back. She always, she wouldn't have never done it in the not timeline that I suggested. Three weeks. Three weeks. So. Yeah, the, the Lord just let you in on it a little quicker. I understand. <laughs> Listen, I went through the same thing. I'm just thankful now that I didn't see on Instagram what she, my wife was actually doing when she told me she was doing something else when she wouldn't go out with me. Right. She told me she was with her friends. I would have hated to see pictures of her out doing other things. So at least we didn't grow up in this era. So that's it a, is true. That, that's a positive. Social we are so thankful that we do not have to battle the dating life oh, of today. It's challenging enough. for everybody. I cannot imagine. And I've heard y'all describe in one of your episodes that that y'all are fire and ice. So when you brought these two, when you brought these two worlds together, you brought opposites into this world. When did that really begin to show that you guys were both driven? You both were having your, your vision of where it was going, how quickly you know, I, I've always heard opposites attract, then they attack. So how how quickly did that did that bumping start in your relationship? I mean, we started that when that we started talking. Yeah, that was day one. One. I mean, that wasn't even marriage. That, that was, was kind of, honestly, that's kind of how I fell in love with her because she... I love it. She said no to me. She challenged what I was saying. She was not, like, the way that I was operating was not enough and so not not that maybe that's the wrong word to use but but I was also like a really strong personality and I could win pretty much any argument and uh Jeff says if I had another career I should have been a lawyer she would have been an incredible (laughs) and I am I mean I can win and uh so he was the first one too to challenge me and to really Mm -hmm. like push back and and that's honestly how we started talking is that that was interesting to me. Oh, somebody's willing to. And the fire, yeah, the fire and ice thing is actually, I don't know if you guys have, if you've talked to him on your podcast about the Enneagram yeah. before, but for us, I mean, I'm an eight, I'm a challenger and she's a one. And those two uh, numbers or personalities or however you want to categorize them, it's very unlikely that these two people can stay together. But it, it, the Enneagram says, 
if they can like stick it out, they get literally on the get on the same page. Yeah. They can literally change the world. And that's, we, we remind ourselves of that. often. <laughs> it did say that we got to stay, we can make this thing. That's we right. can make it. So here you are, you're beginning this new life together. And both of you, you know, we tell every, every couple brings in two suitcases of their experiences, their relationships, their lives prior. And sure. then they, blend those suitcases together. Both of you had a faith journey walking into marriage. Tell a little bit about your faith story, what you brought into marriage. Yeah. I mean, I think being a pastor's kid for me, I'll tell my angle first, but being a pastor's kid, I grew up in the church. Um, and when I say grew up in the church, I mean, I was in there for hours on hours mm. on hours a week. You know, I would go there after school. I would be there on Saturdays. I turned the lobby of the church into my basketball court. Like I was, I was in the community there constantly and in a healthy way. I mean, I think our, my, my parents really raised me in an incredible way. And in the midst of it though, I had to find what I believe in the midst mm. of the story. And, um, so yeah, it's been a faith journey and I would say, um, even for Andre and I, in our connection with our faith over years and years and years, that's taken ebbs and flows. And I think one of the hardest things, and I think we can all probably relate with this is when you deal with people that disappoint you mm. in relation to the faith, it definitely impacts how you view your faith. And, um, so we've had some all different spectrums of, of relationships in the midst of it. And I think um, one of the things that's always been beautiful about Andre and I is our continuous growth in our faith has brought us continually back together. So that's we're good. consistently learning um, things about what we believe and, and how we think that should be lived out in our society. And, um, and it's, I think made us both stronger. Yeah. I think I came with a different worldview. So though I was a missionary kid and a pastor's kid, um, I was living overseas. So I was born mm. overseas and living overseas for, you know, the most of my life prior to meeting Jeff. And, and so I had just kind of a bigger world perspective about faith. Um, it wasn't really wrapped up in churches and things like that. It felt a lot more organic mm. Um, the Latin faith community is just, it's, it's different than American faith and religion. And, and so I came in with just differing views in that way. And I think it expanded Jeff's worldview in a lot of ways. Um, but it also gave us a lot of grace and ways that we could just change and grow and, and not have to feel like we have to do it the American way. Yep. That's huge. And it's so unique. Now you bring these two worlds together. You begin to build this life. You're, you're merging, you're merging your fates in a lot of ways, even though they're individual, you're merging your fates and y'all hit a crisis point. You hit a, you hit a point. I've heard you guys talk about it on your podcast and you share it in the book about you, you end up with an adoption that happens super quickly and it brought it brought y'all to a point y'all had to figure out what this thing was going to be like. Tell us a little bit about that evening and in, in your incredible birthday celebration, Jeff. It sounded like turned out just like you planned it, and and how it led you to where you are today. Yeah, well, I mean, to kind of backtrack, our, definitely our faith journey led us to adoption. It led mm -hmm. us to the purposeful work that we each individually do. So it's a big part of that whole story. Well, so 10 years ago, um, we had adopted our daughter Jada and it was one year into the adoption that we finally had a weekend away, just the two of us. Um, and I'm sure there's people listening that they're in, they're in it with the littles. It's hard. I mean, m when you have little, little kids and you're trying to stay connected as a couple and keep managing all the things, it's hard. Anyway, so we finally got a weekend away. We left Atlanta, went to Austin. It was my birthday weekend. Ele it was 11 months into having our first child and it was, I thought it was going to be like this great romantic weekend. And, you know, the, the lovebirds are back again, hitting, hitting the streets of Austin, Texas. And I planned this dinner and nice dinner. We were going out to eat and we dress up and do all the things. And then I turned to Andre and I was like, so what is, what, let's talk about the highs and lows of the first year of having a child. 
And she responded. Yeah, to which I responded, the whole year was one big low oh, for boy. me. And I didn't remember the last high, <laughs> um, except the day our daughter was born. So I, I think it just came into what had happened is Jeff had continued living life the same as mm. he'd always done um, and traveling a lot and being gone a lot and just doing work life like normal while I was then now like changing everything to, for a child, you know, and a new child in addition in our life. And I think every marriage probably goes through this in some way, but for me, it was just this like pent up year long. I'd been trying to suck it up and power through and, you know, not complain and all these things while realizing like, I'm, I'm a single mom right now. I feel like a single mom mm. and I never signed up for this. Like this, this was not the life I ever said I wanted um, or how I wanted to raise kids. And um, so, yeah. yeah, it all came out. Lots of yelling on my part, stormed out of the, stormed out of the restaurant. Jeff's like, what? I don't even know what she's talking about. And he's chasing after me. And we walked I, literally every street in downtown Austin that evening. And I got no cake that night. Let's just be crystal clear. And let's be oh honest, like Lord. the explanation you just gave 10 years later is definitely a lot more uh, thought through. Like, it, it, I don't think even think in that moment, she, she was just kind of overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Yeah. Like yeah. just it needed a moment to release it all. And I had no idea what she was talking about. Yeah, I want to pause on that real quick. And, and I think that's big because I think a lot of couples go, yeah, by the time we reach that point, we'll both know. Well, it's possible for one of you, when you asked that question that night, Jeff, what did you expect or anticipate the response would be? Well, I thought we were going <laughs> to... all the highs. I thought we were going to focus on the optimistic side of the world, the glass half full, but... Uh, you know, I I also don't regret asking the question because I think right. in in deep relationship there is going to be moments where you mm. don't see the world the same way, right. and things have to come out so that it can get better. And because of that that conversation that night, it wasn't a, it was like hours right of us trying to understand one another, of me dealing with my family of origin and her dealing with a year of not probably communicating with me fully. Uh, we both had to get on the same team again mm. and yeah, it's going to, and, and it didn't just happen in one conversation either. You know, sure. it takes a lot of work. You know, I love it in the, in the book, you use this phrase, it's not an adventure until something goes wrong. So literally that night you did find out we're on an adventure. How did you guys make the decision? Okay. We're, we are not in a good place, but we don't want to stay here. How did you guys come to that decision? Because we live in a world now, it's easier to go, you know what, let's just go our separate ways. We'll figure it out with the next partner. How did y'all make that decision to stick it out together to figure it out? Yeah, I mean, I think our faith has led to this idea of like staying committed to each other. Um, and I think that's the whole thing. I mean, marriage and relationship, you have two broken people coming together, which only just doubles the brokenness. That's like, right. It doesn't all of a sudden so wipe it clean, you know, like uh. it's just adding it. So like, this isn't going to be easy and we didn't sign up for easy. That's right. Um, we signed up to stay partners together in this and yeah, we I had lost track of mm. that partnership. We had lost track of, being on the same team and working together toward building something together. Mm. And I think, you know, it was on, it was unconscious decisions. This isn't all Jeff's like, Oh, he's an idiot. Why didn't he understand? This is unconscious. Like Jeff was raised by two parents, a mother stayed home and did all the child rearing and all the child care. And, stayed home with the family and his father was the supporter and the worker and the things like that. And that just unconsciously goes into his brain about how our relationship is supposed to look. Right. Yep. You know, forgetting that I am full-time working while, while this is happening, but, you know, thinking like, well, she'll, she'll take care of the baby. Like it'll be okay. And I am supposed to be the provider. You know, he, yep. he's just got it ingrained from his family and that's, 
there is nothing wrong with that. But we had to recognize that though that might have been passed along in our family of origin, that was not going to work for us in any in any way. Mm. And we have to, and you have to recognize those things. Family of origin is probably the most important thing to go back and take note of and recognize and see how many unconscious biases or things that flow through that are at like the deeper levels that you don't even know, you know, you, it, it takes a lot of work to, to get to that. Place. That is a great point, Andre, you know, and I, and I do a lot of weddings and if you were sitting in my office with a little couple and they're, they're, <laughs> they're y'all at college, you know, he's finally chased her down and brainwashed her and she's feeling like she's got to be part of God's will. And now they're getting married. What do you wish every young couple knew? If you could just grab their little shoulders and they may be 26, 28 and go, here's, we, we've, we've surveyed 1500 couples. We've written an incredible book. I've interviewed over a hundred couples on my podcast. What do you wish you could tell every couple that you meet with? Well, one of the things I, I'm curious what she would say, I, I, um, one thing that we learned and we came to grips with ourselves and we've heard it from so many other couples that we've learned from is that, um, you don't marry only the person that you married when you were 22 for us 22 years old like you marry multiple versions of your partner over this over the course of your committed relationship oftentimes when that person changes people quit mm -hmm. but for us if like i think when 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 we have each changed which we hopefully have changed positively a lot of ways yep. then you have to continuously be falling in love with that new version of your lover you know and i and i think the more that we have understood that, the more exciting it is, the more curious you are to stay dating your partner and asking them questions and actually listening to them and growing together and all that stuff. Your person you're meeting in that office of, with you right now is not the end of that person. Mm. It's like the beginning, you know? Yeah, I think I would add to that. I 100% agree. But I would also add to this idea of like, really knowing yourself and knowing your suitcase, like you talked about earlier, that you're about to bring into this relationship because we all have baggage. We all have a lot of things that we're carrying in. And I think we're carrying it in and um, in our minds, expecting to give it over to this person next to you and think that everything's going to change and they're going to make everything better. And they're not going to complete you. They're yeah. not going to make everything better. Uh, they're just going to be a mirror to your own crap and sin and brokenness that you just carried in. That's all they're going to be is a mirror. And there's great, good and bad with the mirror. So, you know, it's great because you see it, but it sucks seeing it. So mm. I think um, that is true. But I think knowing yourself and knowing that baggage and owning, like taking ownership of that, and going through the healing that you need to do prior to getting into a relationship with somebody else, going to therapy, going to counseling, yep. understanding your crap so that when you start with a partner, you know yourself more. You, you're able to understand your triggers. You're able to understand family of origin. You're, you know yourself enough that you are able to know that this person is never going to fix you or make you better. That's good. Jerry Maguire did lie to us. He did. He, he did he not tell us the truth. Up. He no. messed everything up. There is no doubt about it. He so, gave every woman those like heart emoji, uh, you know, the heart emoji uh, <laughs> eyes. He, that's what he did. And it's, it's a falsity. And it makes every man go, he's 70 and I'll never look like Tom Cruise at whatever age he is. Now he looks the same as he did when I was growing up. This sickening is what it is. It's <laughs> sickening. So you guys are in this now. And you've done all this study in your new book, Love or Work. So I want to ask you this question. Is it possible to have a great marriage? It's not a good one, but a great one. And both of you have careers that you feel passionate about. How do you do it? How do, how do two people have a drive for plywood people and helping nonprofits and being a PA and being in, in some tough parts in Atlanta. I mean, you're, you're in some tough neighborhoods where needs are, are greater than most places in a lot of 
uh, a lot of the United States. How do you do that? What what have you learned in this process about how that happens? Well, we've learned a lot along the way. Uh, so basically, over the last three years, we've been asking this question that you're asking us: How do you change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? We've the two of us have interviewed over 100 couples. We've um, partnered with Barna Research to survey over 1,500 working couples across the United States. And there are some things that really stood out to us um, that were consistent along the board. The first one I want to talk about, and you can add to this, Andre, what you think we've learned, but one of the data points that was really interesting to us is that only three out of 10 working couples feel supported by their partner to fully live out their dream. Mm. Only so only so low. Only thirty percent of the people that we surveyed feel supported by their partners with other dreams. So or feel encouraged by them. So one thing we've kind of explains explained to people is that you know it's first of all it's hard to find a partner in life. That's first phase, right? How do you find this committed person? That's usually the thing you start doing when you're like 15, 16, (laughs) you're on the lookout, right? That's right. And simultaneously somewhere a little bit after that you're trying to find your purpose in life like that's hard too and you're trying to you're constantly asking that question right what why am i here what am i intended to do in this world but the third thing the third love that i think is super 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 important and changes relationships is to fall in love with your partner's purpose mm. and i think for us that's something that has united us and oftentimes then changed the habits of how we live. If I'm fully behind Andre as a physician's assistant that's doing testing right now for COVID and all this kind of stuff, and and I believe that's part of her purpose, okay, so that means I have to step back right now so that she can fully do that. Mm -hmm. And so then you ultimately start to build a partnership in your relationship. If you don't value your other purpose, uh, if you don't value your partner's purpose, it won't work. Mm -hmm. It's all focused on your own. And we both ultimately believe our purpose is more important. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I do save lives. <laughs> I, I think that is the core of how you make it work. You yeah. have to love and value that in them as much as your own. Yeah. I mean, it's it was really evident uh, in March when everything happened and everything shut down. And I mean, this, if there's any time in a medical profession that I need to be on and doing my part, it is, it was then with COVID and, um, and I needed to work a lot more and I needed to be gone and doing a lot. And Jeff stayed home. He took care of the kids. He became a teacher. He became a stay home dad while trying to run a nonprofit, you know, and, but he did that for me because he believed in me. And he's like, this is your time. You, this is, if any time, it's this time that you are supposed to shine. And so he did that for me. And in the same vein, it's like I knew, you know, he had a big event coming in uh, in August. And so I knew that I had to tell my work and say, all of this crazy that I'm working for you is stopping uh, at in July. And I'm going to be able to be home so that I can be with the kid and help him be able to go and do his big event. So, you know, there's this partnership that you are both together, believing in each other, helping each other shine and backing it up with your actions versus just, yeah, go do what you want, but never giving your partner any resources or help to do that. That's not going to work, you know? I know, I know y'all mentioned in the book too, and I thought one of your practical steps in that was shared calendars that you, you begin to keep up with what each other's doing. How do you guys do that? Do y'all have it? Do y'all have a merged calendar? You just sit down and talk about it. How do y'all do that? Oh yeah. I mean, this is like a constant. Uh, We, (laughs) first of all, only 31% of working couples have a shared calendar, which is a little bit ridiculous. That's crazy. That's unbelievable. Um, No, we have to, I mean, yeah, logistics are one of the hardest parts about marriage with kids, right? Like trying to just figure out who's going where, when. So yeah, we use a Google calendar and we have a lot of things programmed in there. And then every, every year in December, we look at the year ahead Mm -hmm. and we try to plot out like, what are the busy seasons that we know are going to be coming for each of us? And we always say like, uh, you know, a season is only a season if it ends. So then we have to proactively find 
ends to the season. So yeah, after this book craziness, yeah, we have to stop and take a vacation and shut down the busy season. Uh, Cause if it's, if a season doesn't end, it's just, it's our lifestyle and that's not how we want to live. So we and proactively it's unsustainable, go. Yeah, that's right. It's unsustainable. So, I mean, we would just, I don't, we don't think that there's this perfect balance between love and work. Um, we think that everything is ebbs and flows of seasons, but then seasons end and you have to book end those seasons, you know, a beginning, those busy, busy seasons at the beginning of it, get some rest to fuel and be ready. And then at the end of it, for sure, bookend it again with another time of rest. Yeah. And Andre's really good at this. Like sometimes she'll literally take my phone away at the end of a crazy season. And she's like, Nope, I'm just going to hold this for a couple of days just to change the pacing and to reset. Um, but we have to be looking out for that for each other. Yeah. And this isn't at the expense of, well, we don't want to be great parents to our kids. And I think what I love, what y'all have captured is you are to me, you are the new version. You guys are the new version of where couples in 2020 and 21 are. I mean, y'all are two working people who are passionate, driven, and you have what you want. But in the same regard, you don't want to fail at home. You know, and I know you put the quote in the book, it, you really, if we can change the world and lose our family, we still lose. You don't want to lose your family. What's your passion for what kind of parent y'all want to be while you're trying to be amazing leaders in your field? Well, actually, it's interesting that you share that because I think that the start of realizing that happened, I used to lead this kind of faith-based event um, that was really big. And we got to meet all these like very influential leaders. And back in the green room or the side rooms that we would, uh, you know, Andre and I would be meeting all these people behind the scenes. And we're like, this guy, this guy is not a good husband. This yeah where where are their kids like you would just see the relationships breaking down behind the scenes and we're like is that what we're signing up for is that like is that what we're trying to be we didn't want to be that we we want um we want our kids to like value our careers in a way where it shapes theirs also you know i want I want my daughter to look at Andre and believe that she can literally do anything she feels a sense of purpose or calling to That's do. Good. And the only way that happens is because of the example that Andre is giving her. That's yeah. Really I mean, good. I think with, with our kids, um, we have kind of a bigger viewpoint. I think it's really easy to get trapped into a lot of the parenting things about success and um, and what America views as success, which often is academia and sports, right? And winning and good grades and all of that. And, and doing all the things. And just and doing, doing everything. All That's the right. Things. That's right. Everywhere. Just do it all, right? And and get as, you know, get your Mandarin in, make sure you know have another language, <laughs> make sure you, I mean, it's just all of the things yeah. and this view of success that we think mm. that I think America or society is kind of telling us we need to do for our kids. And, and just Jeff and I just don't believe it. We just don't think that that is true success and we're not going to do it with our kids or pressure our kids in that way. And we view it more in the sense of like a citizen, like mm. how can you be the best citizen of this world right That's and good. and to be a good citizen in this world you have to be a good citizen in our family and we have to teach you because it starts in our family and so that can be you know inclusive inclusivity of all people that's diversity and understanding people that are different than you. That's a bigger worldview. That's kindness and generosity. Mm -hmm. You know, there's these things that we want them to be a good citizen because that to us is a world changer. You know, every couple that sits down in my office, I always ask them this question because <clears throat> most of them, I do not know them. I don't know their backgrounds. I may have seen their face in a crowd, but I, or, now I used to see them in a crowd. I don't see them in a crowd anymore, but, but you know, you have these couples that you don't know that well. And I always ask this question, tell me about your parents' marriage. Tell me your perspective, looking back on your parents, what did they do? Well, what did they not do? Well, 
one day when your children, you're to sit down with somebody to get ready for their wedding, what do you hope they say about you guys huh. as parents? That's good. It's a good question. Yeah, it is a good question. I mean, I think that I, I would hope that they looked at us as people that understood why they were here mm. and they were doing something with what they were given. Um, and I think, I hope they look at us and, you know, as somebody like me, a creative individual that has equally as many fears as has ideas. I hope that they look at me personally, which I'd love for you to answer personally too, I, as a person that still had the courage to do things that were really difficult. Mm. Um, and we talk a lot about that with our kids. Um, yeah. What about you? Um, I want them to be whoever they want to be and whatever that looks like. And I just want to be their biggest encourager. So I hope one day when they look back, they just know that it could be, I don't even care what it is. It could be a juggler and I will be in the crowd supporting them. Like I, I don't care what it is or who they become. I just, I want them to know that I'm their biggest fan and that one day they still want to be with us. Yeah, that's the, the Andy. <laughs> that's, right. that's what Andy, Andy and, Stanley and Sandra Stanley. Said. That's what they, yep. you know, talked to us about is that their North Star is that one day they want to be together and with and with them, like as a family together. And I think we view it very similarly that they feel so encouraged and supported by us and whatever that looks like that they do want to be with us, you know. That's, <clears throat> and you guys are in the thick of it. Y'all are in the the ages of your children. You you you're in the thick you're in the thick of parenting, but in some ways it doesn't get any better, and in some ways it doesn't get any harder. And so I want to encourage. So mine are twenty six and twenty three. So I'm I'm on Andy. So Andy and I are are pretty good friends, and we're on the other side of it. We're we're empty nesters yes. now. Ann and I like Ian Sandra are. And uh, you look forward to your kids coming back. You look forward to them coming by. And here's what I would challenge you guys with. And just as an encouragement to you, I have never met a couple who tried to do the right thing in parenting that didn't. I've just met lots of couples that didn't try that screwed it up. And I think that both of you, both oh, of we're you, we're definitely know. sending them to counseling. Right. I, mean, I mean, we know that they're going to be in the therapist's office talking about us. Like, we know we're going to mess up. Listen, we here's know the beauty that. of you guys. All you can do is listen to your podcast. Just say when they're telling their therapist, go to episode 84. They tell all the stuff right there. Because I listened to the sex therapist on there with you. And Jeff, I oh, can yeah. feel you blushing. Over, I mean, that he's definitely a pastor's kid. He's like, Am I going to get called to a deacon's meeting for this? What's happening here? What is going on? What's the big, yeah, yeah, go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. It's interesting you bring that up because I think, like, um, yeah, I mean, we we hope, um, the things like that, it's been interesting. We have shared publicly a lot of embarrassing things about our relationship and about raising kids and and the failures we have and all that stuff and, and about it, our sex life and about our sex all life up in this book, <laughs> which so, <laughs> but most people really want to hear that mm. and they have nobody to talk to. They, they literally don't talk about these things That's with right. anybody. They think that they're sitting somewhere at home and it, and, and it's not good and they don't know who, to, who to begin a conversation with. So it's like, That's right. Listen, if a bunch of people listen to this stuff and they can laugh about us and me being embarrassed and Andre using every letter that start every word that starts with a V or whatever, like, and it helps yeah. their sex life and their relationship. And it's like, man, okay. May, and maybe that'll help our kids someday. You know, like, I don't want our kids to feel ashamed about that stuff. We want them to have incredible relationships with people, with the person that they love. And, and, um, yeah, so that, those are, I'm sure it'll be awkward for them someday as it, it all comes up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love your authenticity. And there's a phrase we use a lot at North Star. And the phrase is this, that which is most personal is most universal. And, and when you say it, everybody goes, yeah. But that's why for so many years in churches, and you guys have grown up this way, that stuff didn't get said 
And therefore, everybody felt like they were stupid if they thought it. And mm-hmm. so the beauty is you've opened a dialogue about it for a couple, super easy podcast for a couple to sit and listen to and go, oh, that, I mean, I was listening to your Jeff Henderson one. And Jeff and Jeff is a phenomenal, I do not know his wife, but a phenomenal person. Love Jeff Henderson. But just him talking about, you know, wanting to sit down and have a have a chart. And I mean, <laughs> you know, he shared his screw up. It was great. But that was so good, though, that you got you get great couples to open up the closet of their lives to go, ours is messy too. And it, well, and it's and, not perfect. And Mike, I will say this, like Andre and I searched for a couple to be like, like we're like, mm. I remember just- that was, a, that was like really young in our marriage. Yeah. You know, they tell you, at, I don't know, somewhere that you're supposed to have a mentor and yeah. the couple that you look up to and all this. And we were like, on the search, like the prowl, like nobody's business. Our first five years of marriage, we kept looking for this. And ultimately we were just like, you know, there's a piece of this couple. There's a, I like how that guy was a dad in this way. Andre, I see how this woman is in her profession and still trying to find ways to balance it. And I see, you know, you, you get little glimpses of all these people, but like for us, the last three years of doing interviews with all these people, was painting this like massive mosaic of the type of family that we want to be and live and do. And the more people that the average person just gets to sit down with and go, Hey, tell me what you've learned about marriage. Tell me about the heart. I mean, literally tell me about your hardest moment in your relationship. That's when people actually grow. That's how, when we started learning how to communicate with one another, that that's been the good stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're never going to find that perfect person never or couple. Person, never. And I mean, and I think that's partially a lot that we try to convey in this book because I hate, hate this idea that we're telling people how to do this because we're not, we're mm-hmm. really, really not. We're telling you what we've seen and learned from all these other people, but we're also like knowing that every single person and family is so completely different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't have a special needs child right now, but there's some other people that do. So like, how am I going to tell you how to run your calendar when you've got a special needs child and have to go to physical therapy four days a week or something, you know, whatever it is. And so I'm not trying, we are not trying to do that in any way, but we really, there's like really good kind of threads and common threads that you can grab a hold of, but then you can tweak it and make it work for your own family, for your own marriage, because you're just different. You're, you're completely different. And I never took the book or the podcast is saying, this is how you do it. Here's the XYZ answer kit to how to make this work. What I took it as is here's lots of people. Here's lots of stats. Here's where people are. And at least these people are headed in the right direction. And we're going to mix our story in. I think you, I think you guys did a great job blending those worlds. I thought it was really, really well done. How do you pray God uses it? for that person that grabs the book and there'll be links in the show notes to grab the book and, and to your pod and the podcast is phenomenal, by the way, it really, really is good. And I'm a picky podcast person. You know, there's just so uh, many I now. I love when the picky ones like ours. That's oh, great. you're so, you guys are fantastic. How do you pray God uses this journey and what he led you guys to with that tough conversation in Austin, Texas to where <laughs> you are today. <laughs> you come, no, you're sitting next to each other on microphones. It's always a positive. So how do you, how do you pray that God uses it? Well, we say this, yeah, we kept trying to figure out, you know, what, what is our version of success, right? When a book comes out and you can look at numbers or Amazon charts or whatever you want to look at. But I think for us, our version of success for this is, um, you don't have to agree with us. You don't have to agree with anything in this book, honestly. Um, we don't agree with everything that each, each other, other said, wrote yeah. in the book. So we understand that. That's not the point. But there are questions throughout the whole book. And I think that if you were to sit down with your partner and go through those questions together, it will make your marriage better. And that's all we care about. Mm. That's it. Yeah, we had an interesting conversation or I had an interesting conversation with a good friend of mine just last week that bought the book. And he was like, Jeff, 
I just started really thinking like what, and this is like a this is very healthy relationship, him and his wife, they care very deeply about each other, love each other deeply. They in general, like invest in their relationship. They go on date nights cons- consistently, things like that. And he was like, they've been married for 12 years. I was like, well, and he was considering when the last book he read as a couple was, mm. and it was like part of premarital counseling. And it was just really interesting to me because it's like, yeah, I, we don't even care if you read the whole book, just buy it, get it, whatever. I'll send it to you if you need a copy. Get the questions out and actually have deeper conversation with this person that you love. Uh, it will draw you closer together. And again, if you're reading it, you might be like, man, we totally disagree with Jeff and Andre on this one. That's okay. That's fine. Like, answer the question for yourself. What does that look like for you and your relationship? And it, there's a greater chance you're probably going to sustain your marriage longer or your committed relationship longer. So I think that's where we've kind of come to is like, we've, we've learned a lot. This has been truly like counseling for us and we hope it brings more people together. And I love that principle of communication. And I'm sure you guys have heard this both in your podcast interviews and the interviews you did for Barna and Barna study going through all their stats if a couple will just sit down and look at each other and have a conversation, it can change everything. It can literally, I'll have it so many, how many couples will come in when our kids were growing up. One of their punishments used to be there were three years apart. I would make them face chairs with each other and hold hands and stare at each other when they would argue in, And they just still hate me for that. But, but I make couples do that. And it's amazing how many times that couple, I'll say, how long has it been since you've looked at each other and had a conversation? And they can't remember. They can't. They have them side by side. They're going one way. They're going in the door, out the door, all that kind of stuff. What would you guys say? And this will be my final question for you today. Why do you believe God brought the two of you together? So you look back, and I know you were a tough, you were a tough sell, Andre, but but <laughs> seeing, seeing in the prophetic future that, that Jeff saw, why do you believe he brought y'all together? And why are y'all stronger together? How do you guys make each other better? What would you say? Why do you think you put the two of you together? It's interesting. I think um, for me, my short answer to that would be, um, I think God brought Andre into my life for my ego. (laughs) I think that's kind of the core of it. Uh, To have someone that was, that is as close as possible to me that understands how to um, make me more humble. Mm. And I think that was from day one. And and, and I don't, I don't mean that in a way that was mean. I mean, in a way that's like really healthy. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I could answer why I think I'm in your life, but I think you probably oh, should no. do that. <laughs> that would not be good. <laughs> I know. Enlighten me. Tell me, babe. What, would, what do you think I'm going to say? Yeah, I, I would say this is my take on it. Yeah. Andre is an amazing human. Her, and I'm so, I, I am so thankful I tell that, that this book has come out because I think people are getting to hear her voice and it's a, it's a very powerful voice. Um, and she has an amazing ability to be an individual. And, um, and I think being in a relationship to me means that she's had to let go of elements of that individuality, not all of it. I, I want her to be her fully human self, but, um, but yeah, I think like releasing some of that way in the same way I had to release my ego. I think that's been good. What about you? I don't know how you'd answer that. I think I, 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 I guess it's not, but I believe in the whole spiritual aspect of it. I just really think that um, it's for me to grow and be better and grow. That's it. He, I, I'm, I can easily do my own thing. I can easily (laughs) run my world and my life and my, you know, and, and go in my happy way. And I was, very content with being single and moving to Africa and doing all my own things. I thought that was like the great, great way. And, um, but I think staying here in the States is harder. I think staying committed to somebody is harder. I think raising kids is harder. All those things are harder, but it all 
makes me grow closer to who I'm supposed to be and my true self and who God created to me to be. And I don't think I would have that much growth um, if I didn't have him. Wasn't that a fun one? It's so interesting to hear people's experiences, hear their perspectives, but also hear their passion for the Lord and for leadership, and especially with Jeff and Andre, each other. I hope that you enjoyed our time together. I know I sure did. I hope you'll go check out their podcast. It is so good and so interesting. And they interview some amazing couples along with their book because it is a great read, especially for those of you that are both attacking the world at the same time while yet trying to raise a family. I don't know how you do it. So I am I am just honored they took the time to be on with us today. Well, our next episode, we get to sit down with another fascinating gentleman, Mr. Brian Coley. Brian leads his company called Real Experiences, where he takes movies and teaches leadership. And he takes his passion for film and out of it brings so many truths to life and leadership. You are going to love Brian Coley and you are going to love checking out what he's up to. Well, once again, thanks for joining us today. If you do get a chance, hit pause, go leave a rating and review. It sure means a ton to me. And I sure hope that you continue in your leadership being the person that God created you to be. Have a great one, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.